<laughs> Everyone be seated except Jushi Valentine. No, not I didn't say Juicy, and I'll let Tim explain that. I said Jushi, and I probably butchered that. Tim and Karen Valentine uh, came to us, I don't know how many years ago. They, we found them in the stairwell, homeless and pathetic looking and everything. Uh, they now have a home. They're still kind of, no. <laughs> These are really, really special people, and I mean that, and you're going to hear more about that. Whenever Tim and Karen come home and they tell us what's going on in Kosovo, uh, where they are missionaries there for the Lord, actually, I, I, I just think of them more as people who the Lord said, get up and go to Kosovo, and they're there living and residing there, and God's just doing ridiculous things with and through them, which, again, you're going to hear more about. And please do explain briefly, <laughs> Jushi. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's open with a prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your house, to worship, to gather together, to study your word, to hear of how you're working. Lord, touch our hearts this morning with the opportunities, with your word, with your command to go out and reach the world with your message. Lord, help us in our insecurity and our failings. Move us, inspire us, motivate us, Lord, that we would bring you honor and glory. We thank you for this day and this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before I get started, I have to explain. Jushi just means grandfather in Geg, which is one of the two dialects of Albanian, which is what they speak in Kosovo. However, it can also mean uncle, sometimes it means aunt, and several other things. And that makes conversations rather interesting. So having said that, one of the things that they say in Kosovo, and this was told to us by Kosovars, we didn't say this, what do you call two Kosovars in the street yelling at each other with arms flailing? A conversation. Because the language is so misunderstood even among themselves. Kosovo is 95% Albanian heritage. The language they speak is one of two dialects. They call it Albanian, but it's Geg. In Albania, they speak Tosk. The two are similar, but they are not the same. And as time moves on, and Kosovo enjoys freedom as an individual, independent country, the language is changing even more, and going back closer to the original Geg and adding new words. This brings Kosovo into a very unique situation. And I'm going to jump around a little bit here in terms of dates. But after the war, and the war sort of ended in 1999, when the U.S. authorized bombing that stopped the Serbs from overrunning the last of the Albanians in Kosovo, and the church started to come together, the evangelical church in Kosovo, they felt they needed God's written word. How can you preach the gospel if you can't even let people read it? We need to be able to give them God's word. 
So the few pastors that were there and the few believers came together and they made a decision. That decision was to take a copy of the Bible that had already been translated, printed, and published in Albanian. The problem was the only Bible that exists is in Tosk, not the language they speak in Kosovo. Well, how could you possibly use a Bible in a different language than the one you speak? Well, about 1970, when communism was still ruling in Kosovo, they decided to codify the language, and they essentially took Tosk and some Turkish words and some words from Macedonia and, and kind of said, okay, this is going to be our language. And they chose 65,000 words, and they made it the official language. And then, as communism often does, they try to erase history. Sound familiar? They try to erase history, and they do that by destroying all the printed materials, by stopping the teaching of history. So any copies of religious materials that were in Geg were gone. The only ones that survived were hidden in Serbian churches, some by individuals. Some people who worked for the government took things home and literally buried them. Fast forward 15, 20, 30 years, the war, the war ends. The spoken language, the official spoken language is Tosk, but the language the people are using is Geg. If you go from Albania into Kosovo, you can have trouble with language. If you go from Kosovo into Albania, you'll have even more trouble with language. They won't understand you. So, here they've adopted this Bible in Tosk, and they're using it in the churches to preach the gospel. How do they do that? The pastor comes up, he opens the word, and he reads. Well, as he's reading, I'm reading my Bible that I got there at the church, and I notice the words in the Bible that I'm reading printed in front of me don't necessarily match what he's speaking. Well, he speaks Tosk and Geg. He reads in Tosk and speaks in Geg. So if I give someone a Bible and they only speak in Geg and they've gone through school and been passed out, not necessarily even learning to read Tosk, how in the world are they going to read the Bible? They can't. So God laid this on my heart when I first went to Kosovo. Now I'm going to jump around a little more. In 2005 was my first trip to Kosovo. God laid it on my heart while I was there that that's where he wanted me. Didn't know how, didn't know why, didn't really understand what it was that I was supposed to do. But one of the very first things I did was start to share the gospel in English through interpreters. I shared it with families. I shared it with individuals. I never preached on a street corner because it's a 95% Muslim country. They're not necessarily friendly to that. But in 2005, I had my first opportunities. 2006, I went back numerous times. And finally, in 2013, God moved us there. Well, when we got there... One of the very first things we did was travel with a church group to Albania to a church retreat. And one of the very first people that I spoke to spoke no English, not a single word, which meant I had to have someone there interpreting. So I sat down across the table from him, and after five minutes or so, I found out where he was from, what he did. He was a farmer. He had two sons. 
He was very poor. The war had destroyed pretty much everything he had, like it had with many others. And I shared the gospel with him. It's amazing to me how God uses our lives to prepare us to share the message. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've seen some troubles. I've seen some physical hardships. I've been broke. I've been wealthy. This man was broken, poor, without hope, but he had come to this church retreat because someone had invited him. And I shared the gospel in English with a guy who only speaks gag and doesn't read or write. So I spent two hours with him. I shared it with him. He shared it with his wife. And I didn't see them until a month before we came home. And Karen and I went in a prayer meeting in a new church that was just, I'll say just, but recently planted in a place called Common Eats. And when I went in, we sat down, and five minutes later, in he comes. The power of God's word. He heard the gospel three, four years ago. Ever since he heard it, he'd been searching. He is now a believer, and so is his wife and his two two kids. We are not in this battle for the short time, the short term. We're in it for the long haul. As Christians, understand you don't always get to see the fruit or what God's doing. When we went to Kosovo, we had no clue. I worked with a partner for a while. We did some things that I would say were good. We're promoting the gospel, but we weren't seeing a lot of results. But over time, I met more and more people. And I became good friends with the pastor of our church. His name is Pastor Femi Tsakoli. He is known as one of the language experts, including ancient languages, in the country of Kosovo. He's a solid believer. He pastors a church that has about 80 people. They would say maybe 100 are members. That entire church would fit on this raised platform. We see, and it's two stories high, so half of this platform is the upstairs. We see 50 to 80 believers gathered there on a Sunday. Church starts and lasts about two hours in general. We have young people who they take downstairs and do children's church with. That has been growing since we've been there. Well, over time, I started meeting with Femi for lunch, learning about the church, about church growth, about the perspective that Kosovars have of the church and what they believe the church should be doing, what the church exists for, and what a Christian really is. And it's not exactly the same as what you and I believe, but the core values are. So as I'm talking with Femi and I'm starting to learn more and more about the church, I'm finding more and more out about Femi. Femi became a believer in 1992. He was one of, now get this, there are 1.8 million Kosovars. He was one of 15 evangelical believers in Kosovo. 
one of 15. Now the war came. The country was disrupted. But all the time, God was using his 15 believers in Kosovo. And in 1999, the war ended, and many of the believers who had fled came back. Churches were planted. They say in 1992, there were only one or two very small house churches. There were only 15 believers. In 2013, when Karen and I went, or early 2014, there were 1,200 believers in Kosovo, evangelical believers. Now, that's pretty cool. But that's a really small number out of 1.8 million, right? But how does God work? Does he always work in huge waves that happen overnight? No, sometimes the growth is slow. It always takes a long time, and we don't get to see what God's doing until sometime in the end. Well, here we are a little over three years later, and right now there are 36 evangelical churches in Kosovo. There are 3,000 known believers in Kosovo. And they still don't have a Bible in their spoken language. So one of the things that God has called me to do was to, to see how do we get this done? How do we give people a Bible they can understand? How do we put a Bible out there that somebody can just open and read and know what it means? They don't think the same way we do. They have one-tenth of the words that we do in the English language. Think about that. If you cut your vocabulary down and only use 10% of it, do you think life would get easier? It would be horrible. We have a word for everything. And when we don't have one, we create one, and after use, it's accepted in our language. So here they are, speaking a language, trying to, to present the gospel message to believers, and they can't really back it up well in written form. Well, how do you know that? Well, my pastor told me that. Really? Sounds an awful lot like Islam. How do you know that? Oh, the imam told me. Oh, what did the imam tell you? That the Bible's no good, it's corrupted. And this other guy comes and he says, oh no, the Bible's true. Really? How do you know? Uh, pastor told me. Well, do you have a copy of the Bible? Yeah. Can I see it? Sure. Well, this is in another language. How do you know what it says? Because he says so. So this is something that's really needed, the Bible in the language of the people. So anyway, it wasn't my choice, but I started trying to get consensus among the pastors of the churches. I only had two who stood up and said, absolutely not, it'll cause division. We have a Bible. It's in a different language. So they started to come together, and God started bringing people and putting people in my path who were working toward this end on their own already. Some of them didn't even realize it. And they called a meeting, and they called me up and asked me to go to the network of church meeting, which I did. And then they nominated me and made me president of the Kosovo Bible Society. <laughs> now, I have to tell you, I actually stood up in that meeting and refused to take it. And they didn't care. They voted again, unanimously, made it very clear. They said, we want, we want you because we know you don't want the job. You're not looking at this as someone who's saying, hey, look at me, I can be president. Or, gee, do I get paid? Or everyone will recognize me. My opinion is that it should be done by Kosovars, should be organized by Kosovars, should be paid for by Kosovars, 
and it should develop an entire translation of the Bible by and for Kosovars in Gag. So I look at this, and they understand this, which is why they made me the guy. I want to go in there, give them a kickstart, get them organized and moving, and get out of the way and let God work through his people in Kosovo. Now, while this is going on, there's a million other things going on. Karen and I are involved in ministry. She does women a couple days a week. She meets with them in the capital city. She shares the gospel. She shares life. And that part of the ministry is growing. I'm meeting with men and sharing the gospel and working with them and developing a web business and working on the website for the church and the website for the Bible Society. All this stuff is going on, and I get news that they're going to start a new church building and that they would like me, because I used to be a builder, to help in that process. Tim, could you come to some of the meetings with the city? You used to be an inspector, so you know just what to say and what not to. So I got involved with the building project, met with architects and engineers and city people, and I also met out of their entire House of Parliament the one evangelical believer who is part of the Kosovar government. That was pretty cool. He's up for re-election and is probably going to win his seat again because he's known as a good and honest man. That says a lot. So all this stuff is going on, and I get involved with the building project. Well, June 30th, they got approved to build the building of this year. That's fantastic. 22 years ago, they felt the need for a building and started working toward that end. Are you in it for the long haul? They certainly are. So 22 years ago, they started praying and working toward a new building. Twelve years ago, they purchased property for a new building. Okay, So for 10 years, they're working toward it and finally get to the point where they can buy property. They bribe property. Two years after that, they start the design and application process. So that's 10 years ago. For 10 years... This group of 50 to 80 believers in the capital city has been working toward having their own building. They've been in a rented space that we're still in. In Kosovo, ownership is huge. Oh, you're, you're a Christian? Protestant? Evangelical? Oh, well, where's your building? Well, it's over there. Oh, that's not your building. That's a rented building. You don't even believe enough to have your own building? Hmm. How do you answer that in that culture? You can't answer it well. Yes, we are a believer and we believe that strongly, but God hasn't blessed us with a building. Hmm, some God you serve. I've heard that quite a few times. So now they've got approval for a building June 30th. They break ground, I think, June, uh, July 6th. They're on like day 68 or something of the building now. It's a three-story building. It's going to seat 200 to 250 people. It's going to house offices for the pastor, offices that they can use for the Kosovo Bible Society. Also some teen meeting rooms and some prayer rooms. This is fantastic. And in the design, which had to go before the city for 10 years, it's got a three-story high cross on the sign that, a side that faces the road. Three stories high. That's the entrance to the city park. Any day of the week in the summer, thousands of people will pass that cross. 
You think they're not going to ask questions? Is it going smoothly and easily? Obviously not. It took 10 years to get approval. But it's happened in God's time. God brought all the right people in the right place at the right time to achieve his will. People who were in it for the long haul, who were consistent in prayer, who were consistently sharing his word, just like that man I met in Albania and shared the gospel with. It took three years, but God worked on his heart and accomplished his mission. It's funny how the church grows there. It doesn't grow quite the same way it grows here. Here, you know, we have lots of programs. American love programs. We love learning. We love going to seminars. We like having people tell us or give us direction, not necessarily give us orders, but point us the right way. Well, in Kosovo, you're sitting in a room with 40 or 50 believers, and one of them stands up, and he says, Excuse me, Pastor, can I speak right in the middle of the service? Certainly. We're moving. Okay. Yes. Common Eats is a perfect example. We're moving to Common Eats because there's no church there and they need one. God's called us and we're going. No training, no support, nothing. We're leaving our apartment. I'm leaving my job. I'll find a job I'm, I'm, uh, and I'll figure something out and God will take care of us and off they go. So now there's a church in Common Eats because somebody heard God's word. Somebody grew in faith, continued to pray, and saw the open door. That's what it's about, open doors. So back to our little church in Kosovo. We've got a couple young women who have started a youth group and working in the youth group for the last year. That youth group went from 2 or 3, 6, 8, 40, 60. How can you have 60 kids when you only have 80 church members? That has spread. And now we have another youth group an hour and a half west of us. We have another youth group 40 minutes north of us. We have another group that is starting southeast of us. Why? Because two women stepped out and took that opportunity that they saw in faith and started to work toward God's end to follow his leading and his spirit. So these two women, they're growing the youth group. They do things that... Well, we're going to meet, we'll have pizza, we'll share the gospel. That's pretty cool. How many of this youth group were believers when they started? Two. Well, when they had eight or ten. Three. When they had 40. Four. Who's going to the youth group? Muslim youth. And what's happening? Every week they're hearing the gospel. Do you know in Kosovo it is actually against the law for me to preach to someone under 18? They can't change their faith without their parent telling them to do it. And yet, all these Muslim youth are going to youth group. And what's happening? They're being preached to. Do the parents know? Yes. Because these two women have taken it upon themselves to make sure that every kid that comes there, his parents find out what it is, where it is, and what they do and what they say. And yet they're letting them come. Why? Because they're all seeking. They're Muslims, I don't know how else to say it, in name only. If you talk to 95% of the Kosovar population and say, Gee, what religion are you? What do you believe? I'm a Muslim. Oh, you're a Muslim? 
Do you go to mosque? Well, I don't think I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Do you go to mosque? No, not really. Oh, well, do you ever go? Sometimes during the holiday if my father makes me. <sighs> That's it? And, and you call yourself a good Muslim? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Well, why are you a Muslim if you're not going to mosque, if you're not studying, if you're not praying, you're not doing these things? Why do you call yourself a Muslim? Because my family's Muslim. Because the Turks made us Muslim. We used to be Christians, you know. Yeah, I know. Well, they forced us to become Muslim, so now, because my family is Muslim, I am Muslim. Well, do you know what it means to be a Christian? Oh, Bible's corrupted. It's corrupted? How do you know? Well, the imam told us. Well, where is it corrupted? When was it corrupted? Can you show me where it's corrupted? No. Why? Because it's not. But if I have a Bible that I can show them and let them read it for themselves... They come to that conclusion. But when does that conclusion happen? Is it when I first share the gospel? Is it the first time they open the Bible? No. In the course of our culture, it is one to three years later when they have read the entire Bible for understanding. That's when they come to Christ. That's why it takes so long. And I'm giving them a Bible, either in English, if they speak English. Now, you and I think things in a certain order. I would say... As Americans, we have a logical method of thinking. They would call theirs logical, but I certainly wouldn't. So I read the Bible, and I understand it in English. I give them a Bible in English, and even though they speak the language, they don't think the same way. So for them to come to understanding, even if they're very good English speakers, takes months and years. But as soon as they have it, they give their lives to Christ. That's the value of having God's word in their spoken language. When we can give Bibles to those people and they can read them and understand them, they come to know Christ. That's what the Kosovo Bible Society is about. So what we've done is we have found transcripts from a man named Christoforidi who in 1872 in Albania, working with and for the American Bible Society, translated almost the entire New Testament into the Geg language, which is the Geg that's spoken today, obviously with some modern words and changes, but that's the language they speak in Kosovo today. So we found the documents. We found someone who was working on finishing the translation, we connected with the Albanian Bible Society and several other people who God brought to us with documents and manuscripts from 1872 through 1880 or so. A man named Javat Loshi has put together this transliterated New Testament. It is the entire New Testament. And we're going to have 700 copies in our hands by October 1st. Praise God. Those 700 copies are the beginning. God's word is more than the New Testament. We will, God willing, be able to point the Kosovo Bible Society and watch them move toward the translation of the entire Bible into modern Geg. This is one step. With this New Testament, 
We will be, hopefully very soon, on radio, having it read because it's the spoken language. We will have it in podcasts. We'll have it any way at all that we can get it out there. Technology is something they absolutely, everybody is enthralled with in Kosovo, even more so than here. They look at all the new phones and all the new methods and all the new things on the Internet. Got to have it. Got to have it. Those are the means that we will use to get God's word into their daily life. I have no idea how that's all going to come together, but I find it interesting that God has brought me in touch with three people now who do radio programs about the Bible and evangelical Protestant churches on Radio 7 in Kosovo. I wasn't seeking them. God brought them. So whether they're the ones who are going to read or hook us up with the right people, I have no idea. He's also hooked us up with a couple who lives in the city where the radio station is housed. They currently only do from Pristina North, which is like the northern half of the country, but hopefully we'll get an antenna pointed the other way or whatever it takes to get that accomplished. So this is one part of what God is doing. This is important stuff. It's important for us, and it's important for them as believers. Now, back to our youth group. This youth group, within the last year, has done some absolutely amazing things. These two young women kind of stepped out in faith, and we're going to try a youth group. We'll see how it goes. They've watched the youth group grow, and they've watched how people have been drawn to God through seeing the things that this youth group does. So what kind of things do they do? Well, one of the things they did is they sat up one morning and said, Wow, I've got a great idea. There's an old folks home here in Kosovo. Now, in that culture, extremely, extremely unheard of and rare because you take care of your family. You'd never, ever put them in a home. But there are some people who entire fam- their entire family is gone. So they have an old folks home for these people who are truly, completely alone. And Marita woke up one morning and said, let's go visit the old people. And she took the youth group. She showed up at the old folks' home, and she said, we're here to visit. And they were in shock. No one has ever visited the old people. No one. Can we let them in? Should we? Who are you? We're from the Boom Church in Pristina. Church? You're from a church? Yes. Well, why would you come to visit these people? They need comfort and love. They need to hear God's word. And they let them in. Well, it was such a big deal that the nurses there called the TV stations. Now, that could be really bad. (laughs) But as it turned out, that wasn't God's plan. It was really good. The TV stations came and they interviewed Marita. They interviewed the kids. Now there's, I don't know, probably six, six to eight were believers at that time. And they said, why are you here? Because they're people. They're people. They need to know someone cares. Marita got interviewed. It was on the news. It went over really well. It was on the national news for like two weeks. 
that this church had sent someone to come talk to the old people in this old folks home and the conversations because the newscaster was really just trying to do their job you know why would you go why would you care because christ first loved us wow now that's pretty cool and then a few weeks later marita wakes up one day and she says hey i got a great idea what's that let's go paint garbage cans garbage cans yeah in the capital city cans are kind of ugly and dirty and smelly how about if we, as a youth group, go into the capital city, which has a half million people, and we paint all the public garbage cans? So they went to the mayor's office, who is a Muslim, but is known as an honest man, and she said, I'm here, I represent a, a youth group, a church youth group, and we'd like to paint the garbage cans in the capital city. Is that okay? You want to do what? Why? Well, because some of them are kind of ugly and dirty and stinky, and we think it would beautify the city, and, you know, this is our city, and we love it, and we love all the people here. We'd like to share that. Okay, that's a good idea. Let me call the police for you, and you can have an escort so nobody will bother you. Excuse me? We're in a 95% Muslim country. Yes, that's correct. Go for it. So out she went with the youth group, and they started painting garbage cans. And they painted flowery scenes, and they put crosses on some of them. And they sat in the sidewalk in the heat of the summer, and they painted all these garbage cans. And wouldn't you know, someone called the television station. <laughs> and out came the news people with the microphones, and they started with Marita, and who are you, and what are you doing, and why are you doing this? Okay, Wow. Wow, well, let's see if the kids know what's going on. And the first kid they get is sitting, <laughs> painting the garbage can. Excuse me, you're painting this garbage can. Yes. Why? Well, because it's kind of dirty and ugly, and we love the city, and we love the people, and we think it would be better if it looked pretty. And, you know, we do this because Jesus first loved us. What? Jesus who? About what? And there we had a kid sharing the gospel on, on national TV. And then afterwards, they called Marita up and they said, can you come into the studio? We'd like to interview you for the national news. And so there she sat for 20 minutes being interviewed about what they were doing and why and who they were, promoting the gospel on national TV in a Muslim country. God is moving in Kosovo. So we've had growth in the youth groups, growth in the church, growth in the number of believers, over 3,000, 36 evangelical churches in Kosovo now, and we're working on getting God's word printed and distributed in the language they speak for the first time. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. So as you sit here today, I challenge you. What is it that God has called you to do? Do you have a favorite verse? I do. Mine's changed over time. Some of us have a favorite verse, and we've kept that same verse for 30 years. I know people like that. And maybe that's the verse God wants you to have as your favorite. So think about that verse right now. I'm going to be quiet for just, just a little while. Just think about that verse. Why did you choose that verse? You brought it all to mind, right? You've been thinking about it. Now I'm going to really challenge you. Is that verse 
for you or is that verse for God? Did you choose that verse because it gave you comfort in a time of trouble or gave you direction? Or did you choose that verse recognizing that God has commanded us to do something and it reminds you of that? In Kosovo, I met a young man. He's a missionary. He married a Kosovar national, and he moved into one of the western cities. And he is now writing worship songs in Geg for them to sing in church. And the criteria is that the songs must be about God, not about us. Not a feel-good song, but a true song of worship and service and thankfulness. So pray about the believers in Kosovo. Think about that favorite verse that you've chosen and why. Think about what you're doing to serve God and what else you can do because God's called us all to service. I'm going to close right there with a prayer and then hand it over to PB. Lord, we thank you again for this day, this time, this opportunity to gather around your word, in fellowship, and before you. Lord, we ask that you would bless these days ahead, that we would serve you in a mighty and tangible way. Lord, we ask also that perhaps you could show us just a little bit of fruit each and every day to keep us encouraged, to keep us moving forward for your glory and honor. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. PB, it's all yours. Oh, Brent, it's all yours. They, they hired me because my initials matched. So, ah, you know. that was a good plan. So we can always just interchange. Do you have monogrammed shirts? And no, not yet. No. <laughs> we'll see how this morning goes. <laughs> all right, well, we wanted you to hear what was going on in Kosovo because the elders and other leaders have had the blessing of, of hearing all that Tim just reported to you. And um, we have a challenge on our hands because uh, faith has been extremely blessed because faith's people have been extremely generous and consistent and faithful. Uh, you know, I just following up on Tim's challenge about a memory verse, even think about how many Bibles you have at home and how often we kind of go, maybe I want a different style. Maybe I want more room in the margins to take notes or I want a different color cover on my Bible. And what Tim's presenting is people that he has or can have a relationship with do not yet have their own Bible in a language that they can apply, at least immediately. And so um, Tim mentioned it, kind of moved on, uh, 700 Bibles being printed for them. And uh, we have a plumb line here at Faith. Our plumb lines are our guiding statements, the things that are true about the culture of our church, but also keep us on track to not stray away from that culture because we believe it's what the Lord has uniquely designed us for. And one of those plumb lines is to, that we see where God is at work and then we join him. And so that plumb line, I think, is very, very meaningful for the moment that we're in right now. God is clearly at work in all the progress and the momentum of what's going on with the Kosovars through the churches and the evangelical Christians that Tim's associated with. But they're about ready to have a $3,000-plus bill. Do you know that you probably have the exact number down to the penny? What is it? 3130 
$0.00, right? Not $0.13 cents and all that. All right. So $3,130 is going to be a bill on someone's desk either right now or Monday or something like that because the printing is coming from Italy, I believe, 700 Bibles. See, we paid attention, Tim. And um, someone needs to pay that bill, and we figured, well, we can help with that. Uh, We have put envelopes in every other seat in this auditorium this morning because we wanted to um, contribute to that so that really um, starting tomorrow, that money is in somebody's hands that needs to pay that bill for those Bibles. Uh, One of the reasons why Tim got choked up about this opportunity is it's really a testing ground. It's, It's an opportunity to hand out these 700 Bibles and see what the response is, and we're all quite confident that that's going to be a wake up call to the people around him. Like, we need more of these. People are hungry for this. If you've ever seen, I've seen a video one time in missions where somebody walked into the town squares, uh, square with boxes of Bibles and how the people will flock to them and take them, the very thing that we have five or six on our shelves. So would you please consider doing anything you can this morning above and beyond what we already do to reach our um, Kosovo here in Waterville Um, we uh, want to contribute to this cause. So in that envelope, if you have something, uh, write Kosovo on the envelope. There should be one within reach, a pen within reach, and uh, go ahead and write that in, and then we have the giving boxes that are in the back. Um, If you're like me and very seldom carry any cash, um, please, if you would... Ask the Lord to put it on your mind. Set a reminder on your phone, all right? When you can even do it from your phone now on our website. But just, all right, Lord, send me to the website. Help me not to let today go by without taking advantage of this giving opportunity. And when you give online, there should be a place to leave a note. And in that note, just put Kosovo and we'll know where that, where that money is going. All right, so we really appreciate you helping out with that. Um, I'm going to switch gears on you now, if I may, because we're going to dismiss early because we are now officially opened in the hub area. And so we have uh, put something in planning stages for the last um, year or so, and uh, now it's becoming a reality. There's a few finishing touches, some, some shelves and some railings and things like that that need to happen, but we are functional, and we have some refreshments and some treats out there as a way of saying thank you for your patience, but also to enjoy this space Here's what we want the Lord to do with this space. It's not so that we, it looks impressive or anything, and I think our builders did an incredible job, but so that you and I will use this opportunity to make lasting connections with people. Um, we have been uh, concerned about this for a long, long time here at Faith, and we think that this is just another tool in the process to help us reach one another, to get to know one another. I want to just quickly, quickly thank a few people along the way. Of course, our builders.